A couple of weeks ago, I was watching a documentary called Sir Alex Ferguson, Never Give In. And the documentary was about the story of the football manager, Alex Ferguson, who is considered to be one of the greatest British football managers. And uh, so I'm not really going to talk about football, but I wanted to talk about his winning mentality and how he took a group of players and caused them to do extraordinary things beyond really what they could have really normally expected. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul in the Bible would often observe things around him and then he would use what he observed to communicate a uh, biblical reality. So if you remember like in Ephesians 6 he would he described the armor of God and many people have said it's probably because he was um, chained to a soldier and he began to describe the armor from his observation of something in ordinary life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 he observes um, runners running. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 he observes something from ordinary life where he says do you not know that in a race People would have watched races at his time. In a race, all the runners run, but only one achieves the prize. So run, um, run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Um, they do it to receive a perishable reef. And so Paul was observing that in ordinary life, you could watch people running, eight or nine runners in a race maybe, but only one of the race runners actually ran in such a way or lived their life in such a way in order to win the, the prize, the cup. And so I was watching this documentary about Alex Ferguson. So I wanna tell you a little story before we go into what I felt God say and how that relates to our vision. So Alex Ferguson, this football manager, his first ever full-time managerial job was with a little tiny team in Scotland called Aberdeen. Now Aberdeen is a relatively small town and it's called the Granite City because of the way the buildings are made of granite and it's a, it was a small football club in a very very small area and this football team Aberdeen were kind of stuck at a level that some people might say mediocrity. They had small amounts of success. They achieved maybe a cup or a trophy like the FA Cup, if you're into football or the League Cup, they may achieve, maybe achieve something like that every five to six years. And the fans would be happy with that level of success. And the players themselves played football just to make a living. That's how they made their weight money. That's how they paid their rent, bought their food but they weren't necessarily passionate about winning. They had kind of low, mediocre expectations of what was possible. And as I was watching this documentary about Alex Ferguson and Aberdeen, I felt Holy Spirit ask me, and I guess ask us as a local church about our expectations. I want us to imagine like Paul used analogies about the church and saying it's the body of Christ. And so it's not a hard jump to say, imagine that we are a team, which we are actually, we're individual members, we've got different talents, different giftings, different capacities, different limitations, 
different anointings. So we're a team. And I want you to imagine Holy Spirit coming to you and saying, as he came to me on that day when I was watching this documentary, what's your expectation of CCK, the team, this local church? What's your expectation? He came to me and said, Jamie, is your expectation for CCK just to remain in the division? You know, when teams play, sometimes they play not to lose. They play not to get relegated. They play just to survive. Is that your expectation, Jamie? Is that your expectation, church, that we play to win every now and then? Is our expectation as a team that we might see the odd one or two people come to know Jesus? Or we might see the odd one or two people. Thank you. Or we might see the odd one or two people get healed. But is our expectation as a team, is it maybe like Aberdeen's, slightly mediocre, just hoping to survive? And then the Holy Spirit said this to me, do you believe that you can win the league? Do you believe that you can win the Premier League? Because it was interesting when Alex Ferguson arrived at Aberdeen, like I said, their expectation was to win a cup every now and then. But Alex Ferguson came with this expectation, we can win the league. This was something these players could hardly dream of. It would seem absolutely impossible. If you can imagine, Aberdeen Football Club didn't even have a training pitch at the time. They actually used to play on the local park. And there's an interesting anecdote that says before they could start training, they would have to get all the dog poo off the pitch before they could play. They also used to practice on the beach and training would be over when the tide came in and started to wash over the goalposts. This was a tiny team, a tiny club that had no business believing that they could win the league. But Alex Ferguson arrives and says, we can win the league. But this team had low expectations, beliefs, little resources, and couldn't ever dream of such a high and lofty idea. But Alex Ferguson, the manager said, I want you to dream of what never has been done before. And I felt Holy Spirit say that to us as a local church. Let's dream of what this church has never, ever done before. And I'm going to go on to describe what winning the league looks like a little later on. So Alex Ferguson arrives. And if you don't know much about football, in Scotland, there are two teams who win the league absolutely every year. And the two teams based in the city of Glasgow. The two teams are Rangers and Celtic. They win the league every year. Sometimes they win it nine, ten times in a row. So Alex Ferguson said, Aberdeen players, if we're going to win the league, if we're going to do what's never been done before, we've got to beat these two great opponents. We've got to go away to the football team of Celtic and we've got to beat them in their ground, and we've got to beat them in Aberdeen, and we've also got to beat Rangers home and away. If you win these matches, and they used to they play each other, uh, it's not twice a year, it's four times a year. If you win these eight matches, you can win the league. These are the great opponents. 
Ephesians 6 says we have some great opponents. Now, sometimes people, when they've talked about spiritual warfare or stuff like this, get a bit worried and anxious and nervous. And actually, Paul in Ephesians 6 says, actually, we're not to be anxious or nervous. We'll be just, we'll be to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. But it's true that we have some opponents. We have some spiritual opponents that are actually against us being who God has made us to do, be and doing what God has made us to do. Now, these opponents, I'm going to use, put them into football language. One of our great opponents that we need to be in our thinking, both home and away, by home I mean we need to beat these things in our local church culture. We need to renew our minds so that we don't think about ourselves and about us as a team in that way. And by away, I mean that we need our minds renewed in the way we think about maybe our home situation or our family situation or our work situation or the community. So one of the great opponents of CCK winning the league is this hopelessness athletic. So I'm using a football term there, local team, Charlton Athletic. I'm using athletic to kind of say hopelessness is a team that opposes us. And one of the ways this team plays is this. It wants us to agree with the lie that says it won't work here. Hopelessness comes with a kind of sense of despair that nothing good is going to happen. And we need to fight hopelessness with a verse like Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit and overflow hope by the, by the power of the Spirit. So another team is this, apathy and passivity. It's interesting that these kind of teams work a lot in the area of SEA team. They're opposing people, both Christians and non-Christians, with a sense of hopelessness and apathy. Apathy is like, I'm so tired and it doesn't matter. Passivity is, there's no real point. I'm half-hearted. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to work. It won't change here. And we are to go against apathy and passive passivity FC with this. I'm going to run to win the prize. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians 9.24 is. I'm going to win the prize. We are going to win the prize. We're going to run in such a way as to win. Another team that opposes us that we need to be in our minds in the local church and in the way we think about other situations is this false humility the belief that we're small in our own eyes we are not enough we don't have enough it's interesting like i said aberdeen didn't have even a training ground to play on playing on the beach they'd never won anything in the past but Alex Ferguson says we can do it. Caleb in Numbers 13, 13, 30, Numbers 13, 30 says, surely we can do it. Caleb had a different mindset, a different... They were winners. He was also described as being driven and almost obsessed with the idea of beating other teams. One player said that 
Ferguson was like a leaders. And we're all called to be leaders, leading people or just leading ourselves. We're all this is not a believe in yourself. Holy Spirit motivates us on the inside. He gives us the gift of self-control. He empowers us. He edifies us. He builds us up and he encourages us. And so the first real battle for being a team that wins the league is in our minds and the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about one another and the way we think about our circumstances. God has beautifully high expectations of us as individuals and as us as a local church, as a team. He really believes we can win. He really believes that we can be a people of energy and hope. He really believes that we can be a people of humility. Humility is, I believe the truth that God says about me. False humility is we're pretending to be what we're not. Faith and humility means God says we're an amazing team. God believes in us. God believes we can be wonderfully successful in the kingdom. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. He wants us to agree with him and believe the truth that he says about us. He doesn't want us to be arguing with him about his assessment of who we are. He comes alongside to persuade us, to convince us of who we are. That's what happened to Abraham. Abraham became fully persuaded and convinced that God was able to do what God had said. You can see the journey that Abraham went on and how God lovingly came to him again and again and again so that he would be convinced and persuaded. God doesn't want us to be like King Saul in the Bible, who was small in his own eyes, who had a low opinion of himself, and that though he was the tallest of all the, the men and a great warrior, he had a broken spot, a vulnerability, a weakness. He saw himself as small, unable, incapable. He suffered from false humility. He hid from the purposes of God. And that's what Holy Spirit is encouraging us when he says, CCK, you can win the league. I want you to believe in who you are. I want to believe what I say about you. I want you to fight, as Paul urged Timothy, according to the prophecies that God has made about you. He says that in 1 Timothy 1.18, so that we agree with God's assessment and we agree with his opinion and we come into a line with his view of us, that we don't argue with him. So false humility is actually a dangerous thing. Not believing what God says about us is actually dangerous because it stops us being the people he's made us to be. When we believe who he says we are, we start to run in a way to win the race. And Paul says this, remember that verse in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable prize. And that prize is, Paul describes in the bit above, that I, I do all for the sake of the gospel. So the cup, the league, is not really about us. The prize is not actually about our security and our salvation. It's not about becoming more acceptable to God. God's love is not transactional. He doesn't look at us and say, wow, that one's running so hard. Today I love them. 
oh, today they're not training. So my love is slightly less passionate and fervent. In Christ, you are loved, whether you run hard, train or not, you are loved. This is about why we're on earth. We're on our way to heaven. We're citizens of another kingdom. We're going to be with Jesus for all eternity. There's a new heaven and a new earth and a new body. We're going to be with Christ forever. While we're on earth, we've got a race to run. We've got a cup to win. We've got a league to win. And that's nothing to do with our identity. That's everything to do for the sake of the gospel. We're a team to win the league for the good of loving others. We're on earth for the sake and the benefit of those around us. We're on earth for the good of our neighbour. We're on earth for the good of the workplaces we work in. We're on earth for, for our families and for SE18. Winning the league is about a life of sacrificial giving for the benefit of the glory of Jesus and the, and the forward motion of the gospel. Paul says a athlete who wins a cup does so because they have practiced self-control because they're going for a wreath for a trophy that perishes. Aberdeen gave everything to win the league and eventually they won the league. They won it three times and they won a European trophy. They did it through um, sacrifice, they did it through training. Alex Ferguson said, if you allow a human being to choose the easiest path, they will choose it. Fundamentally, if we're all honest, if there's an easy path, we take it. But when we look at the goal of the gospel, when we look at the need of men and women to meet Jesus, when we look at the love of Christ that we experience of his beauty and compassion and goodness and the warmth of being loved by God, we want everyone else to experience that. There's a world out there that needs the good news, that needs the gospel, that needs the love of Jesus. And so Paul is saying, I run in such a way to win the prize. What's the prize? For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of men and women who don't know Jesus. And so the way we live matters. The thoughts we have impact how we run. Paul is saying, run the way a winner does. Alex Ferguson in that documentary was saying, play the way cup winners play. Give everything for the sake of winning the league. Play hard. Give everything. Be passionate. Shake off apathy. This matters. The eternity of people matters. In other words, when we look at our lives and look at our service for Jesus and we look at the team we play in, CCK, we ask ourselves, what will give me the maximum performance within the team? What kind of decisions do I need? What kind of disciplines do I need that will enable me to play in this team at the full capacity that Christ has gifted me with? In other words, decisions like, when do I need to be asleep on a Saturday night so I'm in the best capacity to love the body, to love the team and to serve other people? What would my diet look like so I've got energy and health to serve other people? What kind of rest do I need? Is there anything that Hebrews 12 says is entangling me and slowing me down? Is what I watch or look at on the computer affecting my vigor and passion for Christ? Is anything entangling me? 
Is that extra glass of wine causing me to run faster or is it making me slower? And so that's what Hebrews 12 says. And then to wrap up, momentum, a winning team momentum. Alex Ferguson says that a winning team momentum is not created through a rigorous speech. This talk this morning about winning the league is not how we create a winning team. Winning momentum or winning mentality grows over time. Our convictions and beliefs are built up over time. Believing that we can and that we will is something that grows as we take steps of obedience and begin to renew our mind. Confidence comes through doing something. Confidence comes from steady steps. Courage comes from stepping out even though you feel overwhelmed with vulnerability. Even though doing something makes you feel insecure, the courage to go for it again happens as you do it. Individual motivation happens when you realize that who you are and what you carry and the gifts and anointings you've been given are for the success of the team. Every gift you have, every part of your story, every gift you can contain as a person is for the good of the team. That every revelation we have of Christ is to be poured out for the benefit of others. Every believer gets to play. That apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, they're the coaches on the side of the pitch who helps us know how to play in the team. They don't do the playing for us. Christianity is not we're in the stands cheering on the players. Christianity is that every person gets to play. Everybody gets to play in making Jesus visible. So to wrap up, what does it mean for us to win the league? The Holy Spirit is on this church for a specific purpose. He is on this church because he wants us to set the captives free. He wants us to see prisoners get released. He wants us to preach good news to the poor. He wants us to see the blind eyes open, the deaf hearing and the dead raised. He wants us to serve our region. He wants us to serve other nations. He wants us in our lives, both individually and together, to see nations impacted with the good news of Jesus. And to just land, this is the challenge I have for us. In order for us to win the league, we need to change a few things about maybe how we think. When Alex Ferguson arrived at Aberdeen, he realized that actually for this team to win the league, they may need to change a few things. And one of the things is this, I think over the last number of years, we have seen amazing individuals emerge in the church. Amazing individuals doing amazing things and seeing wonderful breakthroughs. But I think that in the West, in Western Europe, there's a focus on individualism that undermines the capacity of local churches to play as an amazing team. But in the West, we're often very focused on what is my gift? What is my contribution? What is my ministry? What is my anointing? 
I think the kingdom is much more like a team, a body, a group of people who say, I can only be great to the level that I'm connected and flowing out to other people and to the level that other people are flowing into me. I think a big shift is this, is that we do what we do for the benefit of the whole. That as each person sees their gift and anointing connected to other people and say, I will do a great job at this, not just because it's fulfilling for my own personal ministry, but because it's an amazing contribution to the success of the team. That everything is spiritual, that everything is spiritual, that everything a local church does matters. Everything is connected. And so one of the key things I believe in going forward is the need for all of us to own different parts of the match, different parts of playing on the pitch. That each of us saying, I am, this is a part that I'm responsible for and I'm going to tackle, I'm going to win the ball, I'm going to pass the ball, I'm going to do everything I can with courage and boldness so that we as a team win. And so I want to just outline, there's just a couple of things to land. And remember, all these things are spiritual. Everything matters and everything is connected. For example, a very simple thing is this. For us on a Sunday to worship with lyrics on a screen when we meet together requires someone to play in the position of, I'm looking after the audio and the PA and the IT for us to be able to project the lyrics requires there to be somebody who is taking that part of the pitch and saying, I'm responsible for that. I'm gonna make the audio visual side amazing. I'm gonna help us to worship and, and engage in these moments. And we have had some amazing teenagers who have done that and we are so grateful for these guys. But it would be so beautiful and wonderful if an adult said, I'm going to play in that position, I'm going to take responsibility, I'm going to make the area amazing. Another thing is this, and this is a little different because it's an opportunity maybe for someone to be paid a couple of hours. We need someone to say, you know what, I want the environment and the way it's cleaned. And we've had some amazing volunteers who have cleaned for us and, some, and Judy from, from the Slade who was paid a couple of hours. We really need someone to say, you know what, I'm going to clean the building a couple of hours and there's pay for that. We're not asking that to be a volunteer position. So if you feel, you know what, I'd love to give a couple of hours. I, 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 I'd like to earn a, some money for a couple of hours to make the environments beautiful. Simple things like this is a simple thing, but toilet rolls in the toilet for when the meeting's on. Someone's doing that. It's an amazing job. And it makes someone the experience of church a lot different than having to shout out, where's the toilet roll? There's no toilet roll here. It's a small thing, but it matters. It matters, doesn't it? You know, it's not dwell there too long, but we know it matters. We also would love someone who says, I'm going to manage the building. We've got a beautiful resource, an amazing building. It's a like hundred and something years old and it needs looking after. It's an old building that's got so much potential still. And we'd love a building manager who can take that on a couple of hours again. That's a paid thing where we can pay someone a couple of hours a week to look after the building, to book in a, someone to fix an area or oversee different legal things that we need to do. Lots of support in that. We're looking for a building manager. But there's so many other areas where people can play. 
play in the area, in the, in the area of looking after children, the amazing privilege and opportunity to educate and introduce young people to Jesus. It's a frontline gospel opportunity to be amongst the children. Great work Christine does in hospitality. It makes all the difference in the world when someone comes in and has a great cup of coffee and a nice slice of cake and they feel welcomed and having a chat. It doesn't feel spiritual. It is spiritual. It matters. And it's so connected. Doing the chairs. Amazing. Like Ian was doing the chairs all on his own. It'd be beautiful to see a team of people saying, you know what, we're going to set these chairs out because it matters for the team. When new people come in, they want to sit on a chair. It seems a small thing. But you know what? There's people who put the chairs out. Pam does a great job at welcoming people, getting to know their names, connecting with them, giving them a call. We'd love to see a whole team of people who join her in that. Little fires, Fiola, in what she does. An opportunity to make disciples and train up other people and release them into their calling. There's a whole load of stuff that we can do together. Pray for the sick. We're going to look at a steps course. An email is going to come out of how we're going to see captives set free and prisoners released. Loads of things we're going to do. But after hearing that and you feel, yeah, you know what? This is I want to run in such a way as to win. Send us an email. We can tell you about other opportunities, too. And uh, and I do really believe that Holy Spirit is gently upon us. Do you believe, CCK, that we can win the league?